I'll never forget a moment <clears throat> for me when I was in college. I was, uh, I think I was probably a sophomore or junior at the time. I was a brand new believer in Jesus. I came to know Christ uh, when I was 17 years old, just before going to college. And college for me was a big, uh, it was like these two competing worlds of the college life, but also this new growing Christian walk that I had. And there was a lot of confliction in my own heart about the life I was living and what I believe God was calling me to. Now remember, uh, there came a moment, I, I had joined a men's Bible study, a group of guys from college that just wanted to get together and study the Bible and, and learn what it meant to follow Jesus. And I remember being a young guy, looking at these older guys, these seniors, who had th these profound lives of godliness, at least from my perspective, being a young guy. I was watching them, and I remember thinking, man, they're, they're just so far ahead of where I am. Their knowledge of the Bible is so far. They're, they're, they don't seem to be falling to the same temptations I'm falling to. They, they seemed almost like they were, they were at a place so far beyond anywhere where I could see myself getting any time in the near future. I remember at one of these Bible studies, I pulled the guy who was, um, he was my discipler, and that just means he was someone who was mentoring me and teaching me the scriptures. I said, I said, Brandon, I just want to be honest with you. I feel like a fake. I feel like a phony. I, I feel like I have one foot in this Christian thing, and I've got one foot in this university thing, and I feel like Christ wants me all in, but the honest truth is I don't think I have the strength to go all in on Christ. You ever felt like that? Have, do, you, do you ever come to church and you look around at the people that are sitting next to you and you look around at what's happening in the room and you, and you just have this sense, like you wanna be all in. You, 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 you wanna give everything to this. You, you, wanna, you wanna run wholeheartedly towards God because you know, you know deep down in your heart that that is the greatest thing and greatest treasure that you could ever have in your life is chasing hard after God and yet, you just find yourself in this place where regularly you're saying, I just don't live up to the own desires. I don't live up to my own desires. I want something that I feel like I can't have. Well, if you ever felt like that, then today's passage will speak very directly to you. And if you feel like that today as you're in this room, I want to encourage you that God has a way of speaking into hearts on particular days. He has a way of changing people's lives and the course of their lives like that if we're willing to open our hearts and minds to what Jesus is doing on any given moment. Today is Easter Sunday. Now, while every Sunday and every day of the week as a church, we celebrate the resurrection. Now, not one sermon in this church ever goes by without talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. On Easter, we take a particular day to really focus in and consider what it means for the resurrection to be true. And I wanna put out right at the very, very beginning of this message, there's at least three things that, that are overwhelmingly clear and must be true if the resurrection is true. Number one, if Jesus truly rose from the grave, that means everything he ever said, everything he ever taught, every claim he ever made about himself is overwhelmingly true and verified, right? Because think about it. If he didn't rise from the grave, if, if that was just a myth and it never happened, then all of his teachings are unverified because he said he would die and rise from the grave. Now, I had a lot of good teachers over the years. I still have good teachers in my life. If one of them told me he was going to die and rise from the grave, <laughs> that would be a significant thing if he was able to pull it off. Only one man in history has done that. His name was Jesus, and he claimed to be God in the flesh. And that means that it validates everything he taught. So we ought to take some time to consider his words and what it means for us. Number two, 
The resurrection of Jesus from the dead, if it validates everything Jesus taught, it means that it ensures our own resurrection from the dead as well. And one of the reasons we sing so joyfully on Easter Sunday is that no matter how difficult life gets, and can I just tell you, I was on the phone this morning, this morning with members from our own church walking through the difficulties of life. Not one person is immune from this. But the the resurrection from the dead proclaims something to us this morning. It means that no matter how difficult the moment is, Jesus has ensured, he has assured your future. There is a place for you in heaven. He He has gone as the trailblazer into heaven, and he has said, you will also rise from the dead, where there will be no more pain. And Christian, can I say, sometimes we... We take our eyes off of that heavenly assurance and we try to make the gospel only what's in front of us right now. And the old saints of the past years, they didn't do that. They had a way of fixing their gaze on heaven and Easter meant so much to them because it meant it was assured for them. But number three, the resurrection also permits us to live in the new resurrected life here and now. What does that mean? To live in the new resurrected life here and now. It means that what Jesus has done for us rising from the grave does not only apply after we die. But resurrection life, this is how the New Testament talks about it. In Colossians says that you have been raised to new life. It's this resurrection experience of living a life that the scripture calls the life that is truly life. You can have that here and now. Now to think about these things, to, to think about what it means for us to live this resurrected life, I want us to go to John chapter 21. Interesting passage for Easter, but it has very much to do with the resurrection. If you were with us at our Good Friday service two evenings ago, we talked about the Apostle Peter, and we talked about uh, the, the incredible hardship he had when he was uh, right before Jesus' death. We talked about this moment in Peter's life. Now, remember the Apostle Peter, he was best friends with Jesus, one of the inner three. He became one of the mighty men of the early church, one of the leaders in the early New Testament church. But on Good Friday, what we, what we learned was that Peter betrayed Jesus terribly, and we studied it, and, and, and not only did Peter betray Jesus in, his, in Jesus' greatest moment of need, when Jesus was under trial, Peter, Peter denied him. He took an oath saying, I swear I don't know the man. And then he, he put himself as far away from Jesus as he possibly could. This is a man that, that wanted to have all the courage. He wanted to stand for Christ. And he ended up leaving that scene weeping bitterly. I think he felt a little bit, to a greater degree, like I did when I was in college. I want to be a man that I know I'm not right now. Peter said, I want to be a man of courage. But right now, these servant girls are making me deny the one that I claim I've given my entire life to. Now, Jesus dies. Peter, you can imagine, is in utter grief. But then the rumors start to circulate that he's resurrected from the grave, that the tomb is empty. And Jesus eventually appears to the disciples. He has a meal with them. And then there's this moment where he pulls Peter aside and he begins to speak resurrection truth into that wounded man's heart. Let's read it together. John chapter 21, 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says to Peter, tend my sheep. Jesus says a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was grieved because he said this to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God, speaking of Peter's eventual martyrdom. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. An interesting passage. Now, three times during Peter's betrayal, what we saw on Good Friday, three separate times the apostle Peter betrayed Jesus. It was, it was like a drum that was beating over the course of that night. As Jesus was standing trial, Peter had three opportunities to have courage and to show Jesus that he was there for him. But three separate times, he denied him, eventually cursing his very name. And now, Jesus reinstates Peter through three separate questions, three separate statements into Peter's life. You can just imagine the moment. Can, can, you, can you imagine this? Can you imagine the grief Peter was feeling knowing what he wanted to be and what he was, that he was a coward when the pressure was on. And can you just imagine that moment when he's been spending a little time with the resurrected Jesus, he's overwhelmed with the joy of, all, joy of it all, but he's, he's got that pain of knowing it's not right on the inside. And then Jesus pulls him aside after breakfast and looks him in the eye and he speaks to him. And what Jesus is doing right now is he's undoing this man this is what Jesus does. This is what he's in the business of doing. He's, he's, he's looking at the wounds of a rough and tough guy. Peter was a fisherman in first century Israel. This was a guy with calluses on his hands. This was a guy who, he, he, uh, he was a fisherman in first century Israel. But Jesus is looking at a man with an overwhelming wound, an overwhelming insecurity, and he's applying resurrection truth into his life. And on this day, Peter's gonna become an entirely new man. The question Jesus asks is short and sweet. Do you love me more than these? What does that mean? Well, he's looking at, they just got done with breakfast. He's looking at the other disciples. He pulls Peter aside and says, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Now, why would Jesus ask that? Well, because just a few days prior, Peter, Peter in front of all the other disciples had made a very bold statement that he didn't live up to. But right before Jesus was betrayed and arrested, it was Peter who jumped forward in Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, said, though all of these fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Though all these other disciples fall away, though they don't have the courage, Jesus, I will stand by you till the end. And did he live up to it? No, he had a standard for himself. He had a desire for himself, even a vision of who he was in God that at the end of the day, he couldn't live up to. And now he's got this wound on the inside. And, and, and Jesus asks him the exact question that speaks to the exact wound. This is, Jesus custom tailors how he applies the resurrection into your life based on specifically the wounds in your own heart. Did you know that? He knows everything of your story. He was with you through all of it. There was not one moment that he didn't see. And when Jesus gets a hold of you and he takes you from what you were to what he's making you into, the way he does it, he takes the resurrection and he speaks it into the direct needs of your life. And look what he says. Jesus looks to him, he says, then feed my lambs. Okay, what are lambs? Lambs are the most tender of all the animals that need shepherding. They're lambs. They're completely incapable of taking care of themselves. They're, they're little baby sheep. They're, they're, they're easily broken. They're easily deceived. They're easily eaten. They're the, they're the most sensitive and needy ones. And, and Jesus is looking out over the work he's gonna be doing of taking care and building this kingdom. And now he's taking the coward Peter in all of his insecurities and he's saying, I trust you with the most careful, detailed, sensitive work that must get done. 
I know you're broken. I know you feel like you don't live up. I know you feel like there's others at the table who are further along than you. I trust you with this. Feed my lambs. Then a second time, Jesus moves closer. You can almost feel Peter, that first time he asked the question, kind of caught off guard. But then Jesus moves closer a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Ooh, do you feel that drum beating? Do you love me? Do you love me? This man, he's starting to feel the weight of this. Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus looks at him again. He says, tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. At this point, I imagine Peter's heart, he's moved from caught off guard to something's happening now. There's some kind of trembling taking place as he's recognizing Jesus is ministering to him. And you can just see Jesus' eyes, can't you? Just staring him right down, right into his eyes, looking right into his heart. Peter looking either way, not, not sure what to do. And then the dam breaks. He says it a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says Peter was grieved. Now, that's an intense statement right there. This is not just that he was annoyed with Jesus. This is not that he was just kind of saddened at the moment. He was grieved in the soul. This is a moment where Peter is confronting the man who he let down and Jesus beat him like a drum in just the right way until he cracked and he was grieved. And he cries out, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus, Jesus meets him in that moment and he says it a third time, feed my sheep. Been a pastor for 10 years now and this is, this is the most exquisite ministry that could ever be written of. In such few words, to speak to a man's brokenness, to heal him with the power of the resurrection, and to commission him for kingdom work. This is what Jesus does. Jesus takes, he, t- he takes men and women as they are. See, most people think that Christianity is this, this exercise of getting your act together and going to church on a Sunday. That's what Christianity gives the vibe off. Maybe you've been around for church long enough and you've heard enough good sermons to know that's not what it is. But if you're joining us today and and maybe you came on the arm of a friend and you have this vision of what Christians think Christianity is, a lot of folks, I think, on the outside, they think Christianity is get your life together, right? Be a good person, pay your bills on time, right? Be moral and go to church on Sunday. Sit through the boring day on Sunday. (laughs) I think that's what a lot of folks on the outside think. I just gotta get through it, get through the Sunday, But actually, the gospel is so much more than this. When the gospel gets a hold of a person, Jesus stares right into the person's soul, and he reveals what is broken inside of them, all of the sin, all of the insecurity, all of the mistakes, all of the wounds that have been cast on a person, all of the scars, and then he takes the gospel, the resurrection from the dead, the great moment in human history where Jesus literally defeated death. He defeated sin, and he broke forth from the ground. The text says there was an earthquake when the angel appeared to declare that the resurrection had taken place. He takes all of that power, And he speaks it into the deepest needs of your heart. And when a person experiences that, there's no coming back from it. He changes you. Now, that doesn't mean that you are the perfect version of yourself who you'll be decades from now. But it does mean it changes you. That which you thought was a burden about Jesus becomes something. It's so compelling. What was Peter like after this moment? 
Can you imagine after this moment sitting there with Jesus, knowing coward Peter had been healed by Jesus? Do you think his life was ever the same? You think he could go about life the same way as it was before? No, certainly not. He was assigned sacred work. And this is what Jesus wants to do for each of us. Jesus takes men and women like us, broken men and women like us, and he takes the resurrection. And what, what the gospel does is he, he takes all of our debt and he places it on Jesus' shoulder. This is what you have to understand about the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is that whatever our background is, no matter how much sin we've had, and some of us in this room, we have stories of the sin that we can add up the debt we have to God. And on Easter, what we're celebrating is that we no longer owe that debt to God. Jesus took our place on the cross. He went underneath the wrath of God. And in that moment, hear me, hear me, in that moment, what's taking place on the cross is not just a man dying for religious belief. It's not just a great Christian rabbi who was misunderstood and, and, and then persecuted because of it. God was placing on Jesus the wrath of God that was owed to you and I for breaking his, his law. Jesus hung on the cross and the weight of the world, the weight of our sin on his shoulders, and he stayed there. He was the king. He could have easily, at any moment, could have removed himself from those nails. He could have have undone the entire process. Angels could have immediately, at his call, removed the, the nails and he could have walked among us again. But he chose to stay there in order to pay the full debt. And then it says, the text says, he buries that debt with him. So that it no longer proclaims who we are anymore. It's no longer identity. He infuses resurrection power into our life. Now, when you meet Jesus, this is what he wants to do in your life. He wants to change everything about you. He doesn't want Christianity to be a little side part of your life. He doesn't want you to experience what Peter was experiencing, what I was experiencing when I was in college. This life of being one foot in, one foot out. Right? Which version of me are you going to get? Are you going to get the Bible study version of me? You're going to get the college version of me. That life will cripple us. I'm just letting you know if that's you in this room today, ongoing habitual sin in a believer's life, someone who's claiming to follow Jesus, it is going to cripple you. It's gonna cause you to come to a place of such brokenness that Jesus wants to heal you from. And here's how he does it. Here's how he does it. He stares you in the eye, just like he did to Peter. You can't hide anything from him. That double life, that area of your life, that thing that you, that you imagine right now as you're sitting in the room that is only unique to you and no one else in the room is struggling with. No one else has that problem. No one else has that temptation. No one else has struggled in the way. No one else has experienced that brokenness the way I have. We all have that. Everyone, you're, first of all, you're not alone, just so you know. But second of all, Jesus wants to speak to that. And he wants to so heal you that he would look at you and say, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. You're not just forgiven, you're commissioned. That's the power of the resurrection. It's not just that your debt is gone. He gives you a new life. The end of this text, that that fascinating language where it says, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. You know what he's saying to Peter? He's saying, you were a coward, Peter. You could not live up to me. Do you know how Peter would die? He would be crucified but out of courage saying, I am not worthy to be killed the same way my Savior was. Crucify me upside down. And so he was crucified upside down. That's the apostle Peter. Jesus infuses resurrection power into this man so that he who was a coward becomes courageous, not out of his strength, but because the resurrection's been applied to his life. Let me close by asking you this question one more time. 
Where are you with your relationship with Jesus this morning? It's Easter 2023. Is that the year it is, 2023? <laughs> Time goes fast. I wrote 2021 on my journal yesterday. I realized I'm out of touch with reality. Where are you with Jesus today? This day, Easter 2023, Jesus wants to look you in the eye the way he looked Peter in the eye. He wants to speak into that area of your life that you are holding back from Christ and he wants to heal it. He wants to apply resurrection power into it. He wants to lift you up from that place because if you stay in that place with that sin, with that brokenness, it will slowly kill you. But if you want, if you will open your heart to new life, he will infuse you with resurrection power. And I I can tell you, I, I can't explain how it happens. It's a mystery. John chapter three, he says it's like the wind. You don't know where it came from, but it comes into your life and suddenly you see it all differently. That's what happened in my life. And it's what he wants to do in your life too. How do you do that? Oh, it's so simple. You don't have to go through any hurdles or loops. Following Jesus, you don't have to make any trips anywhere to make this happen. You have to have an open heart with open hands and a posture that says, Jesus, I give you my whole life and I'm tired of the rat race of trying to prove myself to you. I want resurrection power in my life. I want to be healed and I want to live fully for you. And if you would say that this morning, if you pray, just a silent prayer, you don't have to stand up or raise your hand. If you would in this seat this morning, this is both for the Christian and the non-Christian alike. Because for many of you, you're Christians and you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but you've still got that corner that you know you have not submitted to Jesus yet. If you will right now in this room with me, pray a prayer. This is Jesus, I want to experience what Peter experienced that morning. And I know my sins are forgiven because of Jesus and I want to be commissioned to live fully with courage for Christ. He will do that work in you before you leave this room today. That's how good his promises are. And then the promises are that you have a church who wants to walk alongside you in that. Amen. Will you pray this prayer with me? Father, we love you. God, I pray in this room right now for the many who are listening, this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, God, I know how sermons work. I sat in a sermon just last week under another preacher and something came over me halfway through where I was lost. I was was lost in what you were doing in my heart. You were speaking directly to me. The preacher had faded to the background and now Jesus was speaking to me. And God, I pray that you do that right now for many in this room. God, wherever resurrection power has not been spoken and breathed into our lives, wherever we are holding back from the full step of faith you have invited us into, that life that is truly life, not the shadowy life of playing a half-life with Christ, but the full life, the life of walking with a king who has been risen from the grave, Jesus is Lord, that life, I pray power into people's lives today. May we leave leaping with the power of the resurrection in our souls. Have your way right now in this place, I pray. Oh, Jesus, have your way. Right now as I pray, God, Holy Spirit, come over us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.